if you're able to stand. Book of St. John, chapter 1. St. John, chapter 1. Our text this morning is verse 9 through verse 13. St. John 1, verses 9 through 13. If you're there yet, say amen. All right. All right. John the Apostle is writing. These are the words of the Lord, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And John says, speaking about Jesus, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Well, oh, I love verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power, which means the right, the authority, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And God, today as we celebrate being a part of the family of God, we are so glad that we're a part of that family. And Father, we want to invite others to come to know you personally, that they too may enjoy the benefits of being a part of the greatest family on earth. We love you and we praise you. In your precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Part of God's family. If you don't know it by now, I love the church. I love the church. This church used to be perfect until I came in. I'm not sure about that, but I know when I came in, I messed it up if it was, all right? And we think about the church. How many know that the church is not going to fail? Christ is the architect of the church. He's the builder of the church. And if you're born again, you are a part of the family of God. And the early church, we'll read in a little while from the book of Acts, they shared a deep sense of fellowship, and that fellowship revolved around their belief in a risen Savior. Not around a bowl of chili, but their belief in a risen Savior. They supported each other's faith. And they shared their love for Jesus. And they had a commitment to live out the Word of God. They wanted to be like Christ. They shared with anyone who had a need. They spent time studying the Word of God. And yes, they spent time eating together. And that was some 2,000 years ago. But I want to say today, 
you and I, because of the grace of God made available to us, because of Christ's sacrifice, his resurrection of the dead, you and I have the privilege of being a part of the greatest family on earth. The family of God. And this whole series is that we would never, ever lose sight of the power of the resurrection. Because, my friend, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that makes us new. The power of the resurrection. In the first week of our series, we learn that it's our faith in Christ that transforms us into the people that God wants us to be. Now, by the way, joining a church does not make you a Christian. Being baptized does not make you a Christian. It's only the power of God that can transform us to be children of God. We must be renewed. We must be born again. Last week, Jeremy, I thought, did a great job. I'm a little partial to him. He's not good as I am. I kid him all the time, but he is. He's a great, great, great student of God's Word. He loves God's Word. did a great job. And he reminds us, because of God's grace, we can put our past behind us. Amen? Quit looking. What did you say last night, last week, Jeremy? Don't drive with a rearview mirror. Look out the windshield. By God's grace. And our sins, no matter what they were, please understand, they don't have the final say. Jesus did. And when I came to Christ, because of the power of the resurrection, He forgave my sins. Thank God. They are gone. So today, we're going to take another look of how the resurrection affects our life. Because when we are born again, the power of the resurrection, God makes us new, and we become a part of the family of God. Now, do you realize it was once a a great divide between us and God? And that divide was there because of our sins. And the cross spans that chasm, that divide between God and ourselves. And the cross allows us to have access to God. Thank God for the cross. But the power of the resurrection affirms that God was pleased with the work of Jesus Christ. And grace has now changed our relation with God, we are no longer enemies, but now we are friends. How many know, folks, if you're born again, you've been adopted into the family of God? Paul says, whereby I cry, Abba, Father. And that adoption we'll mention in a moment, it is a spiritual adoption, but it gives us legal rights as children of the Almighty God. We are a part of the greatest family on earth. We're no longer enemies. Now we are friends. 
But here was interesting. And yes, we're forgiven. And yes, the hostility has been removed between us and God. But the relationship that we have with God, it goes beyond that. Because now God is our Father. Think about that. God is our Father and we are invited into His family because God has adopted us. Thank God for that. Now the moment you confess Christ as your Savior, the moment you trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, two things happen in your relationship to Christ. Number one, those who are believing sinners are no longer a natural son or daughter of God. We've been, we were not a natural sinner, I'm mean, a son of God or a daughter of God. Once we believe, we are positioned as an adult son in the family of God. Now don't miss that. An adult son. Now God's not being uh, anti-women here. But the whole idea is we have all the rights and privileges of anyone in the family of God. We are positioned as an adult son in the family of God. This is a legal position. It's like a formal adoption legally placing a child in a new family. How many are glad you're part of the family of God? Amen. I'm not going to do it, but I so bad want to sing that, that hymn. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been born of the Spirit and washed in His blood. And i got to tell you, I look around here this morning, and we've got a lot of weirdos in the family of God. If I had a mirror, I could say the same thing, right? Yeah. But we're part of the family of God. The greatest family on earth. So, a legal position. Now, this is not regeneration. This is, you know, it, it happened at the same time, but it's the act of God that places a believer in God's family, and he places us there as an adult son. But at the same time, the Bible tells us, the same time we believe, we are spiritually born into the family of God. And that is the new birth. That is the regeneration. Now, we don't have the verse today to read on the overhead, but in John 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Unless you're born again, you cannot be a part of the family of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God. So now, once we're, we, we confess Christ as our Savior, we are spiritually born again. That's the work of God. But also the work of God places us as an adult into the family of God. And because we are now spiritually newborn babes in Christ, that, that, that tells us that once we're saved, we need to grow and develop in Christ. Peter said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. But make no mistake about it. The moment you're saved, and hear me well, even though you need to grow spiritually and develop, the moment you are saved, you enjoy a position of full privilege. I remember years ago, when I worked at General Motors and I got hired on, you had to work 90 days to have full privileges. 
in the family of God, you get full privilege right away. Amen. I'm, a, I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. Let's go back to part of our text verse this morning in John 1. Let's pick up again in verse 11 through verse 13. Here's what it said. Speaking of Christ, of course, he said, He, Christ, came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, just let me pause for a second. Now, the first own there, the, the word O-W-N, own, he came into his own world. Who created this world? God did. And God came into his own world. But then John said his own, that means his own people, the Jews, received him not. But verse 12 says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of, the, of man, but of God. Now the Jews had an idea, the idea in their mindset that being a Jew gave them privileges in the family of God. That wasn't true. I mean, my daddy was a Jew, my granddaddy was a Jew, and far back, I, I, they were Jews, so therefore I am right with God. That is not true. They believed they received that plea because of their bloodline, because of the will of the flesh. But John says something new has happened here. This has nothing to do with your ancestry. It has everything to do with you. And how many know, just because your mother and dad were Christians doesn't make you a Christian. Just because your grandparents were Christian doesn't make you a Christian. And so John reminds us <coughs> what was true now was also true then. When Christ came into the world, there were two reactions among the people. Some received him as Savior. But some chose to reject him as Savior. And John says... Those, anyone, those who did receive him, God gave them the right. He gave them the power, the authority, if you will, to become children of God. I'm a child of the king today, folks. God has given me the right because I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And so based upon... Our faith in Jesus, we are then grafted into God's family. Now God is my father and Jesus is my brother. We are family. The greatest family on earth. And John reminds us this adoption, it has nothing to do with our physical birth. John said it's a spiritual birth and we become Children of God only by the grace of God offered through our Lord Jesus Christ. So a couple of important points I want to share. This one. Number one, everyone is welcome in God's family. Now, I feel like I need to clarify that in light of our culture today. How many know, I think we sing a hymn once in a while, just as I am. We can come to God just as we are. God loves you just as you are. But understand, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we're going to be part of the family of God, 
There has to be a change in our life. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not joining the church, not being baptized. It's receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. You must be born again. All are welcome to come, but only those who are born again can be a part of the family of God. But that's what God wants. I was reading, oh, about two weeks ago, <coughs> in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, the genealogy of Christ. How many love to read those genealogies? Huh? Names we can't pronounce? Uh, and I must say, I am glad that the one in Matthew was not as long as the one in Chronicles. But you read through the genealogy of Christ. Because the problem is, none of us are worthy to be a part of God's family. But be careful with that. Because too many people may feel like, or get the idea, they don't belong in the family of God. They're thinking, you know, my past life, but remember, Jeremy preached last night, get the past behind you. Let Christ forgive your sins. That'll take care of that. But then we have the idea, well, we've got so many uh, blemishes in our life, uh, too many past sins, too many mistakes. God could never allow us into his family. Well, I would challenge you to go home and read the genealogy that Matthew puts in the first chapter of Matthew about Jesus, where he came from. If you read that, you're going to find out on that list some strange people show up. I would say uh, people we would probably not let into our church. Come on. Uh, Jacob's on that list. I mean, that guy was a liar. He was a scoundrel. Uh, deceiver, and that was his good side. But he's on that list. David, the adulterer, the murderer, he's on that list. There's a woman named Rahab. She's a harlot. Not even a Jew. And she is on that list. And you read the genealogy of Christ... And what you see is a list of broken, flawed people. But please understand, God has never, nor will He ever look for perfect performers. He's looking for people who will trust Christ as their Savior. And I look at that list and I see all these flawed people. But then we realize God has taken those people, changed their lives, and now they've become a beautiful tapestry of people who are loved by God, and now they are welcomed into His family. All are welcome to come. In John chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. I don't mean to shock you today, but not everyone who joins the church is part of the family of God. Not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, is going to make it to heaven. We're living, especially in America, of a culture of deceived people. They believe they're all right with God, 
They confess Christ. They, they repeated a prayer so many years ago, or they signed on a membership roll. They were baptized, whatever it might have been, and they're convinced they're okay with God. My friend, if your life has not changed, you've not been born again. Did you hear what I said? If your life is not changed, you have not been born again. Old things pass away. All things become new. You know why? Because salvation is the power of God. It's the power of the resurrection. And make no mistake about it. Jesus knows his people. And his people know his voice. His people love him. They trust him. And they follow him. But why? Because they've been born again. And yes, they are part of the family of God. And so the resurrection makes us new. And what it does, it gives us a new birth into a spiritual family, into the wonderful family of God. Now, I've got to tell you, I've been part of this family now for I know, over 40 years. Seemed like yesterday. And made a mistake about it. We've all made our mistakes through the years. That's right. But how many know God still loves you? He still loves the church. And oh, how I love the church. Oh, how I love the church. I tell you, folks, I... There's been times I wanted to give up, but God wouldn't let me. Because God said, I didn't give up on you. And if I didn't give up on you, why would you give up on them? I love the church. Because there are so many incredible benefits that I have because I'm a part of the family of God. Several weeks ago now, I forget which one, the prayer request came across the prayer chain. The Gerbers are in one of the Carolinas, I forget which one now, living down there. We sure miss and love those people, good people, men, men, a man and woman of God there. And Brother Greg called me, he said, Pastor Rollins, I know, I know that you're having trouble. He said, man, you've been there for many years. That's your family, and he's right, it hurts. I want to tell you something, folks. I love God's family. And even today, after all these years, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. So glad to be a part of the family of God. In Acts chapter 2, we give, it, I think, it's a, a good example. We see some of these benefits on display. Let's read verse 42, Acts 2 through 47. Luke says, They continued steadfastly, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to, every, to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all, all the people. And they noticed, if you will, and the Lord added to the church daily as such to be saved. 
benefits on display. What did they, what did they do? First of all, Luke says they joined themselves with other believers. Verse 42, and they. How many, though, how many know that they take more than one? And they. That is, they gathered with others of like mind and like faith. They gathered together. The second thing they did, they devoted themselves. Again, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. How many know what steadfastly means? They were devoted to coming together. They regularly, continually persisted in the activity that Luke mentions for us here in Acts chapter 2. And their activities in the newly formed church, just a few days old, is a practical map, not just for them, but even for the church today. So they joined themselves together with other believers. They devoted themselves. And notice what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Let me pause here for a commercial. Too many churches no longer teach the God's Word. They're into entertainment. And I love good music. I appreciate what Brother Rick does every week because he takes it seriously. I appreciate Brenda, Ruby, all those who help us, Jesse. But folks, nothing takes the place of God's Word. Nothing is more important than the Word of God. And so, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Teaching was central to the content of what they studied. It was the doctrine of the apostles. Uh, and by the way, uh, they had heard from Christ, and that was their mandate to go and tell the world. And from the very beginning, the early church was devoted to hearing, studying, and learning what the apostles had to teach. So they joined together with other believers. They devoted themselves with the apostles' teaching, but also, verse 42, and they had fellowship. What is fellowship? Well, it speaks of the idea of close association, close relationships. But please understand something, folks. This is more than just getting together. And certainly more than just a religious meeting. It involves sharing life with each other. It involves sharing goods. It involves having meals together. It involves praying together. Now, I want to say this morning, I'm afraid that the church today has lost a lot of that. We're in a hurry. We don't have time to fellowship. In fact, most people only have time for one hour a week to come to church. My first pastor used to tell us when we first got saved, he said, hey, folks, come early and stay late. Stay late. Enjoy our fellowship together. Enjoy our time together. So they joined themselves with other believers. They devoted themselves. They were involved in the teaching of the apostles. They had fellowship. But verse 42 says, and in breaking of bread, they shared in the Lord's Supper. 
Now, the breaking of bread here refers to communion, uh, the that were celebrated in remembrance of Christ, and certainly patterned after the Last Supper uh, that Christ ate with the disciples. And they included that in a regular meal they shared together. They shared the Lord's Supper together. Now, I won't, I won't be dogmatic about this, but I, I do believe that the early church, anytime they met, they had communion. Now, I can't prove it without a doubt, but it's mentioned over and over again. So, not only did they have meetings together, they devoted to each other, involved in teaching, they had fellowship, they shared the Lord's table together, but they also, verse 42, and in prayers, they prayed together. And, and we see them, you know, we see prayer, we see sharing the Lord's table, and that's what really comes together to explain the kind of fellowship that they had. They fellowship together. And those two activities, prayer and the Lord's Supper, were probably part of every regular meeting they had. Prayer has always, always been a vital part when God's people come together. So where are we at? Understand that those folks back in the first century church were not much different than you or I. They were looking for a place to belong. If you're born again, you're a weirdo, according to this world. If you're born again, there's something wrong with you, according to this world. If you are born again, you simply do not and you cannot feel comfortable in this world anymore. You're an outsider. You're an outcast. And these believers back then, and by the way, we're still in Jerusalem, so most of them are Jews at this point. And because of their belief in Christ, their family, the Jews, turned against them. And they needed, they needed a place to belong. And they needed it desperately. And what's interesting is this. Because they faced this struggle, because of the persecution, they simply didn't feel at home any longer in the Jewish faith. And I want to tell you, folks, about the last 40 years, I have not felt at home in this world. Oh, I live in it, and I appreciate what God has done. And God's been good. But there's a longing, a longing in my heart. Because I, there's not a day goes by that I don't, that don't forget that I'm just a pilgrim. And I'm just passing through this world. And so we had a group of people who were, who were longing for something. They, they couldn't feel at home in their Jewish faith. And what they longed for, they found in the family of God. Amen. They found it in the family of God. And the Bible is very clear that these Christians, these believers, they spent time together. Spent time under the teaching of the apostles. They fellowship 
with one another around the table. They prayed uh, with one another. They prayed for uh, one another. They shared with one another to meet each other's needs. And they enjoyed each other's presence. And they shared in the common bonds of the love of Jesus Christ. so many years ago since I read from uh, from this book, an excerpt from it, and I didn't read the whole book. I think it was written by Ann Ortland. As he was talking about being a part of the family of God, a part of the church. And he said, we have a choice to make. We can be like a bag of marbles that clang and bang around and hurt each other. Or we can be like a bag of grapes who come together and enjoy the pleasure of the fellowship. Folks, I don't, I don't know about you, but I need you. I need the church. Now, I know I have a, a God who is closer than a brother. I have a Savior who lives in me. But every once in a while, I need somebody with flesh on them. Someone I can call for a word of encouragement to pray with me. And the good thing is, all are welcome to come. Let God change your life. Second of all, a church that operates the way the church in Acts did is attractive. A godly community is attractive. Look at verse 47. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, as such should be saved. Think about that. What a compelling verse. The family of God was building through the church. The family that God was building was so attractive. Luke says their numbers continue to grow. (laughs) And my prayer would be, folks, that people outside the church would see something in the church that would draw them to Christ. We ought to be attractive. Well, how did they do that? Number one, the family of God does life together. And we have to experience the, the love and grace of God in connection with one another. And I would challenge you when you get a chance, take your Bible and do a study on one another phrases in the New Testament. There are many of them. We need one another. And that's exactly what the early church understood. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They ate together. They enjoyed each other. And I confess, some of us are hard to enjoy. Amen? But they did. They did. And what's interesting, they had sincere hearts. They wanted this thing to happen. And when all of those things are present, it causes the church to flourish. And without it, it is not possible. We must be a family. In his first epistle, John describes uh, that kind of fellowship. Look what, in verse, 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard Declare we unto you, notice this, 
that ye may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I know I'm out of time, but let me just make this last point. John realized that God had given them a mission. And they were to initiate and declare what they had learned. Because they were born again, the apostles, they had fellowship with Christ. They had fellowship with God the Father and with Jesus Christ. And John says, we are telling you that, what we learned. Because we want you to have fellowship with us. But more importantly, we want you to have fellowship with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, call it what you will. When we had a fellowship at our house last night, man, we had beans and cornbread and fried chicken and ribs. If you didn't talk about Jesus, you didn't have fellowship. Because biblical fellowship revolves around Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. I didn't quite get to my last point, but I remember uh, when I first started dating Pam, and neither of our parents were wealthy by any means. But anytime you went to her mother's house, and she had a meal, and I mean, she could cook. Now, Pam can't, you could tell by looking at me. You know, I'm being facetious there. My mother could cook, and they never had a lot. But when she made a meal, if you came in, you were welcome at her table. And you could eat all you wanted. And people loved going there. They didn't have a lot, but what they had, they shared. And I want to tell you, but we're part of the family of God. Let's make room at the table. Yeah. Let's be the kind of people that invite people. I read the other day, you know why most people don't come to church? They've never been invited. Never been invited. Let's make room at the table. God welcomes all. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of the regeneration. The power of the resurrection, Lord, that makes us new in Christ. The power of the resurrection that puts our past behind us. And the power of the resurrection that makes us a part of the family of God. I pray for all who are listening today, God, and especially the one who has never received Christ as their Savior, whose life has not been changed by the power of the resurrection. I pray, Lord, you'll speak to hearts. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father.